This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of change makers. I'm your co-host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, co-founder of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small, and our team of experts shows you how to consume and shop responsibly by recommending world-changing products, brands, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the world-changing goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Also, to help us spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. This episode is brought to you by Diamond Nexus. They say that diamonds are a girl's best friend, but are they really the planets? As jewelry lovers ourselves, Lisa and I are excited to recommend a sparkly and ethical option. Diamond Nexus creates gorgeous, lab-created diamond simulates that cost up to 80% less than mine diamonds, so you can wear a guilt-free statement piece the next time you're out on the town. Good Together listeners can get an additional 5% off ethically made lab created diamond simulants with code good five at diamondnexus.com slash good together. According to the EPA, the average American produces around six pounds of trash each day with only one and a half pounds of that trash ending up in the recycling bin. The problem is clear. We need to be less trashy. One solution is to go zero waste But what exactly does zero waste mean? We turn to the expert, and when I say expert, I truly mean it. Catherine Kellogg, today's guest, actually details over 100 ways you can get started producing less trash in her book, 101 Ways to Go Zero Waste, which she published last year. Through her blog and Instagram accounts, Catherine's Going Zero Waste movement inspires thousands every day to care for the planet by consuming less and being smart about the trash we generate. Join me and Catherine as we get into all things zero waste on today's episode. One of the reasons we're focusing on zero waste today is because the Brightly community wants to know more. Here's a question from community member Laura about zero waste. Hi, Laura. Hi, Lisa. My question relates to zero waste. I live in southern Indiana, and I took a work trip out to Portland, Oregon the first week of December this last year. It seems like everyone in the Portland area was very excited about zero waste, and it seems that Everybody along the West Coast is also really excited and trying to find ways to um, 
go zero waste. So how can I get people here in the Midwest excited about zero waste? Thank you, Laura, for asking this question. And actually, the easy answer is actually for you to go and raise awareness in your local community. Talk to your friends. This is ultimately why Brightly exists, why our Facebook group exists, and why our Scouts program that you're a part of exists as well. Yeah, and another thing that you can do, Laura, and anyone else who's listening, this is actually a question we hear a lot about. What if I'm not on the coast? How do I get involved? Another thing you can do is actually use products that spark conversation. So the next time you're at the grocery, you can bring your tote, which most people are familiar with, but you can also bring your own produce bags, which a lot of people don't use as much. So maybe those will start a conversation. Maybe grab your own reusable coffee mug and bring it to your favorite coffee shop. I guarantee you those will start the right type of conversations. If you'd also like to join in on the conversation by calling in with a question, head to brightly.eco slash podcast and you'll find a link to give us a shout. We want to hear from you. With that, let's head into today's episode. Catherine, welcome to the Good Together podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. um, So, you know, one thing that we love to do here uh, on Good Together is to highlight voices that we know are really, really at the forefront of ethical and sustainable living. And course, zero waste and, um, you know, less waste living comes up constantly as one of the top um, issues that our audience is interested in knowing. So Catherine, I wonder if you could like give, um, give listeners a little bit of an overview about what you, um, what inspired you to get into the zero waste movement um, and sort of like what your journey was like there. I kind of approached sustainable living backwards. I had some health issues in college and I started trying to avoid endocrine disruptors and plastic is a known endocrine disruptor. It interferes with our hormones and you can find endocrine disruptors in things like our beauty products, our cleaning products. And so many of these products aren't really regulated or tested for safety safety that closely. So I started by switching to a natural cleaning routine. I started eating more plant-based. I started avoiding plastics. And then when I moved out to California, it kind of all clicked for me that the things I was doing for my personal health weren't only better for me, but also better for the health of the environment. That's awesome. And I feel like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times, uh, quite a few of us will get a wake-up call from our health um, that, that mentions, hey, it's probably a good idea to kind of take a step back and think about what we're actually putting on our bodies. I feel like clean beauty, of course, for, um, you know, the overall culture movement has been happening uh, relatively recently. But I think most people who have been in the space longer than that have always had these habits of just kind of like reading labels, understanding more and more about what's going on to our body and like how we interact with it um, in different parts of our lives. So yeah, absolutely. Same here. Um, I've always been one of the, one of the, my mom thought I was super weird growing up, just like wanting everything to be organic. Uh, I was always at Whole Foods. Uh, I went to school at University of Texas in Austin and that's really close to where Whole Foods HQ was. So anyway, Totally hear you on that front, um, and so I wonder if you can if you can share a little bit more about um, your journey as in starting the going zero waste um, you know blog and um, Instagram account and maybe what inspired you to actually start to speak out and share your journey in that in that regard. I am from Arkansas, which is not the most eco friendly or progressive state in America, and when I moved to California. I started writing simply as a way to stay in touch with my friends and my family back home. And I started making all these changes 
excited about them. I was saving a lot of money. I was living a healthier lifestyle for me, for the planet. I couldn't think of anything better. So I was sharing a lot of those ideas, but I was really talking to those people back home. And what I realized at the time was most of the popular zero waste blogs, there were really only two at that time. They were very much talking to their audience, which was the coast, New York, San Francisco, and people who had a lot of access to things like tons of bookstores and tons of package free food and had literally no idea how middle America worked or how people live. There are so many towns back home and the only thing they have is a Walmart, right? How can you absolutely how can you tell them, oh, we'll just buy your food without packaging? And it's like Exactly. It's it's not realistic at all. It's funny, I'm all you know, like I said, I grew up in Texas and same thing. Um I think um depending on where you are in Texas, you have more access to to different um resources, but Oftentimes when I would would think about living a bit more sustainably, it wasn't something that was necessarily part of daily life that, uh, you know, very similar, um, you know, how it happens on the coast. So 100% agree with you. And I think oftentimes people, when they approach us from a good together perspective, uh, people are a little bit hesitant, like they're afraid that they're going to get judged about um, the choices that they're making every day. And what we like to do is approach things from a very, um, we want to meet people in the middle, if you will. We know that not everybody has access to exactly what you were saying. Um, and we also know that the more we can get um, millions of people to practice zero waste principles rather than, um, you know, maybe going all the way down one path, that is much more impactful than, um, you know, a thousand people who are like really good at it, right? <laughs> I totally agree. And kind of taking this more moderate approach is what really caused my platforms to really take off. And a lot of people really resonated with the message that I was saying. And also to your point of, being in the coast, I have found so many suggestions saying like, just give up your car. And I'm like, well, it's really easy if the closest thing is in a gas station five miles away. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like transportation is another thing. Um, I'm actually down in LA for the next few months. We're in an accelerator program here, which is really exciting. But even just making that move has made me seen, I mean, just see how, how much people rely on their cars here. Very, very different than, um, you know, how I particularly drive around in the Bay Area. So yeah, what one size does not fit all when it comes to these recommendations. <laughs> um, so Catherine, I want to kind of um, maybe talk a little bit about, um, you know, easy things that our audience can do to live zero waste. But before we get into that, can you maybe explain how you think about the concept of zero waste and, and maybe how you define it when somebody comes up and asks you? The actual definition of zero waste living is to send nothing to a landfill. But the definition that I personally really like is to completely write waste out of existence because we can waste so much more than just what we put in our trash can. We can have a waste of time, a waste of money, a waste of resources, and there's so much more. And I think it's a really missed opportunity if the only thing we're looking at is what we put in our trash can. That is fabulous. I've never heard it, uh, you know, said like that. And I a hundred percent agree. I feel like there's almost a, like, there's like the plastic free version where a lot of people are focused on like actual trash and, and things of that nature. But 
totally agree with you on wanting to conserve our time. I feel like time is like such an amazing resource that none of us have enough of. So yes, this kind of goes into, um, you know, thinking about slow living and being a bit more mindful in our consumption. And that's another thing that we, we like to talk about here too, is just, you know what, if you're going to go purchase something, we get it. Like we're not telling you not to purchase things if you, if you've got to, um, but maybe just be a bit more mindful. And so I love that you take this approach to, to the space. Cause honestly, one of the things we hear is, Hey, I'm really interested in cutting down my waste, but that doesn't really make me a zero waster. So like, what would you say to somebody who would say, who would, who would come up and tell you that? I think anyone can be a zero waster if they're interested in reducing their waste. And also, there you go. I think that applies <laughs> to the whole Instagram aesthetic of being zero waste, which I don't particularly like or yep. use. I mean, my house is all wood <laughs> and my walls are a very unfortunate shade of yellow and orange. Um, <laughs> it looks good to me from here. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny though, because on my feed, you'll notice I don't have flat lays of reusable yep. items. And that's really not my feed. I've always joked that the reason that my face is in 80% of my photos is because it's the only grammable thing I own. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> I love and it. All my flat lays are like this old plastic bag I've had for like probably now. I've like one plastic gallon size baggie that I've had for like six years in my freezer. And I have it and it works. And I personally do avoid plastic for health reasons mostly, but in the yeah. freezer, I mean plastic leaches toxins when it gets hot. Having one bag that stores food scraps that I'm gonna take to the compost, I'm not worried about that. Exactly. Makes sense. I mean, I also feel like too, I, I want to touch on this Instagram point because it's something that I find really curious, which is A, I feel like Instagram in general has actually contributed to more ways. Like I'll take that stance where I feel like the influencer culture has like very much, you know, caused people to buy things and then forget about them or um, you know, just have this like very, I don't know, they intensify the consumption cycles, if you will. Um, and so actually, we talked to um, one of the popular fashion in influencers many months ago, but one of her pieces was, look, she actually had this reckoning where she thought, you know what, what am I actually doing? Like, not only am I personally buying all these outfits all the time and have an overflowing closet, but I'm kind of encouraging this behavior amongst my followers. And so that is one thing that I had, had noticed when I looked at your feed compared to some of the other quote unquote zero waste um, or just like plastic free type uh, feeds is that they do seem to be a bit more product focused. And so I wonder what your thoughts are around, um, you know, do people need to go out and purchase a bunch of things to start being zero waste? Like how, how does that even work? It feels like those people tell you you should, right? Yeah, I, I certainly don't think so. And of sure. course, having this job, uh, you know, because I, I do write for another company full time, but I also obviously write for myself. I write for Going Zero Waste. Sure. And it is a interesting challenge. I actually created a really, really strict code of conduct for myself because since I do accept money from sponsors, I have a really strict code of conduct on how often I post. And if you notice in my sponsored posts, most of my sponsored posts are not object or item focused. They are idea or campaign focused because okay. it's much more important to be promoting ideas than it is to be promoting an actual product. 
And that's something that I really try and focus on more of. And of course, Instagram, Pinterest, having these picture perfect lives that we all share on social media all the time has created an enormous amount of waste and even a larger amount of waste that we often don't talk about is homewares. The constant homewares that we buy, trading out all of this furniture, having really cheap furniture and fashion, yes, is very harmful on the environment. It's one of the top five major polluters. But furniture is also really up there. And a lot of this stuff is using um, illegally logged um, pieces from the rainforest. And it, that's, yes. that's really like, I, that's something that I find really concerning and no one really talks about. That's so interesting, Catherine. You know, it's funny. Um, one thing that I, I was having a conversation with Lisa, um, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, but she and I were talking about this exact thing the other day, specifically around, you know, listen, our generation is on the move more so than our parents. Um, Gen Z is also like, we're kind of constantly on the move. And when you go into a new space, there's often this pressure that you feel to like fill every nook and cranny up with something or even um, get rid of all your old stuff because it doesn't match the aesthetic of the new place. And like, first of all, like nobody has had to deal with this before, right? Like nobody was going around pretending like uh, that they were going to be featured in Southern homes and living or something like that. Like that was not a thing that our previous generations had to deal with. So A, we have to give ourselves a little bit of a break, but B, I think there are really smart ways of going about decorating if you need to add things to your collection. One thing that my husband and I are obsessed with Craigslist. Um, actually, I don't think that we, I want to say that one of the only new pieces that we got when we moved to our new place in Oakland was we had to get a new couch, um, which we sourced from um, a company called Interior Define that does things made to order. I did a lot of question and answer with them around like where they were getting their wood specifically. So very much the point you just made earlier. Um, but then I love to go on the hunt, like find vintage things, find things that other people are throwing out, but totally hear you on the, on the homewares front because, hey, maybe maybe there's, that's the new, that's going to be the new thing, like uh, zero waste home. Like maybe we'll make that a, a trend. <laughs> that would be cool. It's been pretty funny because there's so many things in my house I rent. So there's really not a ton I can do about my yellow and orange walls, right? Sure. So <laughs> there's this table that I hate and I always mention it. And I call it the table I hate. It's this table. <laughs> it has this light oak, you know, the nineties oak color. It, it's yes. that color. The orange. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it has all tiles with peach flowers on it. So it's the most painfully 90s thing you've ever seen. And I hate it. I can't stand it. And everyone's like, well, why don't you just get rid of it and get another one? And I'm like, well, I've never seen a table that I was like, that's the one. And until the day that I meet the table that is the one, I'm going to use what I have. And it doesn't look terrible in the space and it fits great. So I'm just of the mind of... It's kind of, you know, when you know, you know, exactly. and we all would do a lot better to have that focus on our closets, anything that we consume, yep. whether that's furniture, our closets, relationships, <laughs> patience, right? Patience. patience, I think is the word there. And like, as we think about the psychology around what consumes our time every day, it's a, we live in a very impatient world. We are all used to going to, on amazon.com getting things the next day, sometimes the same day if it's prime now. And I think this movement that you and I are a part of, and hopefully all of our listeners are, is around being a bit more mindful, being a bit more slow. And to that exact point, like 
you've got to wait sometimes if you really want to like practice what you preach. And actually I had the same thought. I should just got a leather jacket and I hadn't had one ever. Um, and I was just kind of sitting and waiting. And I finally found a great piece by this brand called Deadwood who makes new leather jackets out of old leather jackets. They're based in Sweden. Um, and I, when I found them, I just like knew. And I, of course I had to take a gamble on whether or not it was going to fit. Like I couldn't find one locally. And so you know, I typically try to not get as many things shipped to me. But anyway, so I kind of had to personally make those trade-offs, which again, that's something we coach all of our listeners to do, like get in the habit of having these kind of internal dialogues around trade-offs and what makes sense to you. Um, but yeah, I think patience is the name of the game. Also DIY too. Like we, my husband and I are like major DIYers. And of course, when you, when you're renting or you have different situations, sometimes you can't be as flexible. Although I did laugh. I was looking at, um, I think it was Amy Sedaris. I was looking at an apartment uh, sort of uh, walkthrough that she did and she called her, her point of view, which I don't condone. She basically said, uh, I view all security deposits as personality fees. And so she's like, I just assume that I'm never gonna get it back. So I do everything that I can to the apartment, which killed me. <laughs> oh, we're not all Amy Sedaris and can afford to lose our security deposit, right? Like how crazy is that? I mean, oh, if I were living in Arkansas, <laughs> I could do that. But living in the Bay Area, I can't. I can't lose that. No way. No <laughs> way. <laughs> so funny. That's but funny. um, so to kind of bring it back to maybe how people can get started. So like, let's say, I'm sure you get this all the time. I'm sure you're you're speaking at an event or I know you've got a great book. Um, You know, maybe you're doing a book book tour or something. I'm sure you get people that ask you, hey, Catherine, how do I get started? Like, what are the top, you know, five or so things that I can do? Like, what do you, what do you like to tell them? Yes. The top five, real easy. Number one, just buy less. That's number one, which mm -hmm. goes exactly what we're saying. Uh, have patience. Wait. I personally like to implement a 30 day buy ban. And if I see something I fall in love with, I give myself 30 days. And if I'm still in love with really? it, I'm still thinking about it 30 days later, I'm allowed to go crazy. That's so interesting. Do you like keep a journal or something or is it just kind of in your head? It's just mentally because the thing is if I wrote yeah. it down, I would remember it much better. So I just let myself naturally forget about it. And the thing is, trust me, when you really want something, you are thinking about it day after day after day after day. But, yep. but then after like a week or two, it starts to fade. That 30 day mark hits and you're like, oh, I haven't thought about that at all. I really don't need it. But if it's something that you consistently find yourself coming back to being like, man, if I really had a pair of white jeans, I would like, I would use it for this outfit and this outfit is something that you keep thinking about. Yep. And that's my personal tip. So just buy less. It's one of the best things we can do for mm. the planet. And yep. then the top four or the big four as plastic free July likes to call them is no straws in your drinks, bringing your own reusable water bottle. I personally like mine, which is insulated. It keeps hot drinks, hot and cold drinks, cold. So, okay. Also, what brand is that? A Doffer bottle. Okay. And it's my favorite because being in the Bay Area and being in Napa very often is when you're out, you also have two cups. Oh, very cool. I love that. Yeah. So Doppler. Okay. We'll have to take a look at it. I, um, I'm always in the market for a better bottle. I feel like the ones that I have, I'm my main issue with reusable water bottles is I lose them. So I'm like trying to come up with like a better system. Like maybe I should just like put a leash on it. <laughs> 
like a pet or something, put a leash on it and attach it to my bag. I don't know, but we're always asked for recommendations. So we'll definitely check out that brand. Okay. So we got no straws, no, uh, pla no, re uh, sorry, no plastic bottles. Right. And then, like I said, what I like about this is it's insulated because the next is coffee cups. Coffee cups are lined with plastic, unrecyclable. The tops are typically plastic number six, also unrecyclable. And so instead you can just hand them this. And also this is what's really nice is if you're at a different fountain, since it has two different types of cups, you can fill from a lower level, but you can also hand this to them and it's much easier for them to make your coffee or your tea or whatever inside the base. Oh, wow. And have you ever run into, like you've been in a shop and you hand somebody that, have you ever heard somebody that's like, we don't like, have they, I'm sure you've gotten some interesting looks, but have, has anyone ever been like, no, we're not going to fill it up or anything like that? No, I've never experienced that. The only time I've been told no was when I asked for an ice cream parlor to put a pint of ice cream in my mason jar. <laughs> I love it. And at a food truck. Those are the only times I've been told no, but at any other standalone shops, it's always been absolutely and I'll tell you the secret. Are you ready? So the secret yeah. is that you don't ask for anything. You just politely tell them what they're going to do. And then you Jedi oh. mind trick them into doing anything you want. There you go. I love that. I used to have a boss that was like the master at the Jedi mind trick. I always like just had this. I was like, how do you do this? But no, I love that idea, especially like we were just saying in areas that may or may not be as exposed to this type of thinking. Um, that's actually somebody once told me they were like, uh, they were really glad that the less plastic bag thing was catching on because then they seemed a little bit less like, you know, like they didn't necessarily want to stand out. And of course, we all encourage everyone who is is doing this to stand out as much as you want to. Like, this is the way we're going to change things is for people to talk and like spark curiosity. But the other thing that I love about like taking a stand when you go to a store or something like that, like in addition, in addition to uh, feeling personally awesome <laughs> and also, and also feeling like you're doing great for the world um, and actually doing great for the world, it also sparks curiosity in other people. So I guarantee you when you do that, you spark curiosity in like the person that does it for you behind the counter and then all the other people around you. I guarantee you they watch and they go, that's interesting, like let me think a little bit more. So I love that. Hey Laura, I was talking to your mom the other day and she mentioned your birthday was coming up. She's thinking about getting you a piece of jewelry, but she knows it's hard to find something that looks great and is ethically made. And I was like, haven't you been listening to our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I know how she feels. It's honestly been a challenge for me to reconcile my love of diamonds with the fact that they're not always from sustainable sources. So I was really excited when we started partnering with the creators of a new way to wear gorgeous jewelry without the guilt. Diamond Nexus is the creator of the Nexus Diamond Alternative, a sparkly ethical option that costs up to 80% less than mine diamonds. That's amazing. I'm sure your mom will be glad to give you a gift that is kind to the planet and to her wallet. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're looking for an affordable, ethical piece of jewelry, we've got you covered. Good Together listeners can get an additional 5% off their purchase, even the pieces on sale, with code GOOD5 at diamondnexus.com slash goodtogether. The Brightly team is usually based in the beautiful Bay Area, but when we found out that we got into the Yellow Accelerator program, thanks for believing in us, Snapchat. We are on the hunt for a new place to live for a few months in sunny LA. If there's one thing we love to do on Good Together, it's researching ethical and sustainable options, and Lisa and I were excited to learn more about and partner up with Zeus Living. 
Zeus provides beautiful homes for 30-day stays or more in the best locations, including LA, San Francisco, Seattle, DC, New York, Boston, and more. Plus, they stock every unit with toiletries from one of our favorite brightly recommended brands, Public Goods. Zeus also works with local artisans to furnish their units when possible, and honestly, staying in an Instagrammable space that takes care of everything for us couldn't have come at a better time as we work to scale up brightly. Hassle-free setup, ethical amenities, and a mission to change the way you stay long-term around the United States makes Zeus a fabulous partner for us at Good Together. To learn more, visit ZeusLiving.com. I've started a lot of really, really great conversations, but I want to tell you the words that I use because someone might be confused how to tell someone to do something. So yeah, let's saying, do it. Can I have this to go in my reusable container? I say, I'd like that to go in this container. And then I present the container. So I'm not very I'm not asking them because when you ask a question, you hand over all the power. And I hold on to all the power by saying, by telling them what I'd like them to do. So you're just way more likely to convince. I've literally convinced people at Disney World to put things in my own container or Disneyland because that's huge. Yeah. That is huge. Those people are crazy with those containers, right? Yes, they are. <laughs> I was like, it was, I mean, it wasn't a big thing. It was, um, it was just a cookie to go in my napkin, but I mean, and a pretzel to go in my napkin, but still I was like, oh, hey, I'd love to have one of those. I'll just take that right here in my napkin. Right. And just like, that's so and good. They're just like, and they have it with the tongs and they're just like, okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, why not? Well, you know, maybe one thing that this is reminding me of a little bit is people that have dietary restrictions. Like, you know, they have to be like this too, right? They can't just be like, oh, they feel like they're going to be impolite um, because they, they can't eat something specifically. So almost this is kind of reminding me of that way of thinking too, which is like, this is not necessarily, I mean, I don't want to, um, you know, make, make anybody that has dietary restrictions feel, feel like that's, you know, on the same footing. But at the same time, like it's, to me, it's almost like, you know, it's like, this is something that really makes a difference to me personally. Like this is not actually about like your personal uncomfort. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's oh, so, so true. Funny. I actually, so yeah. I grew up with a really severe dairy allergy. And this is exactly what I say has been training me my whole life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and uh, what's extra funny is, so I was a professional actor or still am, but don't do a lot, not a full-time professional actor anymore. I went to school for musical theater, um, did shows. And one of my first gigs out of college was at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. And the thing is on fair grounds, because it was the Renaissance, obviously we could not have anything disposable or plastic. Oh, wow. So we had wooden bowls and wooden mugs, and we had to go around to all the stalls and get our stuff, our food to go in our bowls and our mugs because we weren't allowed to have anything disposable. So it's so funny because this was before I even knew what Zero Waste Living was. So it was like my whole yep. life trained me to be a thief. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny, like there is so much of, we can learn so much by just like looking behind us for guidance here, like before plastic became such a big thing. I think on, um, on Netflix, there is a, I'm trying to remember the name of the series. It's not coming to me right now, but they, they've done a various documentaries about like the plastic industry and sort of why we have gotten into this like disposable um, you know, economy around the world. So I highly recommend everybody just kind of go find some interesting uh, Netflix documentaries to watch. But 
you know, I feel like the same thing happens even with picnics. Like I remember one time somebody gifted me before I got into this movement too, just like a, a retro picnic basket that had these like beautiful dishes and stuff. And I remember like looking at that and being like, well, first of all, it's kind of a random gift, but okay, thank you. And then I was like, this is actually really interesting. Like, why don't we just bring forks and plates and stuff with us when we when we go have a picnic like or when we have a party why do we have to have so much disposable cutlery um so yeah it's just this kind of reset and thinking i think it's like super interesting <laughs> okay so what are some other tips that people can do <laughs> and then the last one of course was plastic bags and bringing your own produce bags too because many of those thin plastic bags are really unnecessary and a lot of yep. produce doesn't even need to be bagged at all. Like there's no reason you need to 100% or an orange or one onion in a plastic bag. You just don't. A hundred percent. Actually, I did that the other day. I had forgotten my produce bags. And so I was like, well, I guess nothing's going in a bag. And my husband was kind of like, well, aren't you like worried about that? And I'm like, I mean, I'm going to wash it all when I get home anyway. Um, and like, I kind of stacked like the lettuce and stuff that you really wouldn't be want to have like touching everything. I kind of like stacked it on top of stuff. And then when I got to the checkout, I was like, Hey, can you just like not set this on that grody, um, you know, conveyor belt thing, <laughs> you know? So even if you forget your bags, you don't have to make up for this by like, I mean, I don't know. I think I love that you mentioned the um, the plastic number when we think about recycling things. Cause I think a lot of people just have this just fallacy in their head around how much actually gets recycled. I think we saw a statistic the other day, it was like less than 6% of the plastic that we put into the bin here in the US gets recycled. I mean, that's insane. Like, so the fact that like you, we've been trained to think that, oh, well, plastic is okay because, you know, eventually it's going to get recycled. Like, I mean, that's just really not true at all. Um, it's, it's insane. <laughs> in the US, so currently as of January 2018, China stopped accepting all recycled paper and plastic products. And the only plastics that have a domestic, a robust domestic recycling system is rigid plastic number one and rigid plastic number two. And if it's any other okay. number, unless it's a very specialty program, you're pretty much SOL. Like there's, there's really nothing that can be done with it domestically. There's just not a market for it. People aren't buying it. No one is, there's no plants out there doing anything with it. Yep. There are a few very, very small few exceptions, but mostly rigid plastic one, rigid plastic two, that's it. And what are some examples, do you know off the top of your head, like what, what would be rigid plastic one or plastic two that people would come into contact with? Yes. Plastic number one is PET. And that is okay. what you most commonly see most drink bottles, plastic water bottles, Coke bottles, things like that. Also some cups and sometimes the lids of cups, you'll see a plastic number one. Okay. I, however, try to avoid PET because phthalate is in the name. It's, I'm trying to think, I want I don't want to say it incorrectly. Hold on. Yeah, that's fine. No. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Just like one of those things for people to, to watch out for. Um, you know, I think oftentimes, like I said, people assume that something is recyclable and it's not. Um, so always a good, good thing to get through. I'm actually also going to see if we had any questions. I think it's, in. oh yeah. I just want to make sure I say it right. Yeah, for sure. Polyethylene terephthalate. That's it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a name. Um, but phthalate is right in the name and phthalates are, so this type of plastic is BPA free. However, okay. obviously phthalate is in the name. It is not phthalate free and phthalate is a huge endocrine disruptor. And also with PET bottles, 
there's a fire retardant in it, and I'm not going to be able to say it correctly unless it's right in front of me. And antimony trioxide is the fire retardant. Okay. And that's why whenever the bottles heat up, that leaches into the liquids. So that's why I personally avoid plastic bottles. Plastic number two is high density polyethylene. And that is one of the safer plastics. And if I'm going to buy something in plastic, I do prefer rigid plastic number two. One of my favorite brands for their food, they have things like um, matcha and golden milk and they do collagen and a few other supplemental products. They package in 100% recycled plastic number two, since it does have a really robust recycling market in here. It is actually fairly closed loop. And okay, because plastic is so much lighter. So whenever we are looking at emission standpoints, glass is really heavy, right? It breaks. There aren't really yep. any good glass recycling. There, there aren't many good recycling glass programs. Most glass in the United States is crushed and used for landfill cover. So most of our glass is going to landfill and the glass that wow. and the glass is created from sand and there's a special type of sand that's used and we're actually running out of that type of sand, which is nuts. So really it's everything in sustainability is so complex, right? So, yeah. um, but, but high density polyethylene plastic number two from a health standpoint is pretty safe. Plastic number two and plastic number five are pretty good on the, uh, on the health scale of plastic. Hmm. Well, I mean, I think that's a, it's another interesting way to think about it, right? So you have to think about like what actually is able to be recycled, A, and then B, thinking about more the health, the health benefits there. And actually we were just at the, um, so Credo Beauty, I'm sure you're familiar with them. Love them. Right. Love them. They're amazing. (laughs) Um, You know, for our listeners, if you're not familiar with them, they are a, almost like a clean beauty version of Sephora. So they've got a bunch of different brands all together actually founded by a former Sephora employee. And I also used to work at Sephora back in the day. Um, And one of the interesting things that I have have come to know about Credo is that they are actively sourcing clean beauty brands to be part of their marketplace on a few different vectors. So of course they think about ingredients and like all of the traditional clean beauty criteria, but the other thing that they look for is packaging. And so we actually talked with their head of PR for a while and she was mentioning that a lot of these brands are coming to them and asking, hey, like what are your guidance on packaging? Because you know the, the standard, um, I don't know, misconception is that glass is the better option, but to your point, it's highly energy intensive to recycle it. To your point, like most of it actually just gets crushed. And so I think you know, like, like we said, we don't want to like overwhelm people with too much information. Cause I know there's so many vectors here, but like, you know, I, there's always going to be a place for thought around this and just like, again, mindfulness. So like, you know, a stop getting things period <laughs> if you can, but we know that that's like probably not going to happen. So in that case, just think a little bit, think a little bit, like inspire other people to think, right? Like, come on, like, let's just have a conversation, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I totally agree. It is all really complex when you really get down to like the nitty gritty. And I think that's why it's so important that companies be more focused on their end of life and having options to reclaim things. For instance, Credo is also a drop for all of their products. You can bring all of, you can bring any beauty product to them. They'll send it off to TerraCycle and TerraCycle. Oh, really? Yeah. And TerraCycle is great because they will physically separate every single thing and then make sure it's actually chemically recycled into something else. And that's amazing for beauty products. It's so hard, right? Because everything is so small and especially clean beauty because most of them have shorter shelf lives. 
So they're really tiny packages. And I think one of the best things that you can do, and one of the best things that I've done for my wallet and for the planet is to simply also makeup collection, which is consists of about 12 products. And I use them until they're gone. And then once they're gone, I can only replace that one. Yep. Highly agree. I mean, how many beauty shelfies have we seen with people with hundreds of products that are probably already expired anyway? I think a lot of people don't know that your beauty products, regardless if they're clean or not, do expire. Um, I've heard of people getting like a beauty fridge, which that's on another level. I don't know about that. I'm not a clean, I'm not a clean beauty boss hashtag, but anyway, um, I totally agree with you. Like um, actually, when I worked at Sephora, they used to give us these swag bags full of beauty products all the time. And I got to the point where I either was like, please don't give this to me. And then there'd still be one on my desk. So then I'm like sitting here looking at it, like, what am I going to do? So I actually used to just package it and ship it off to family where I knew people would use it because same thing. I was like not really wanting to have all of these different things in my closet or the beauty closet that did the same thing. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always on the hunt for like, I don't know, maybe an improvement to my routine. So like if I'm done with a moisturizer and I think, okay, maybe I'd like to try something new, then I'll buy one. Um, but yeah, totally agree. Um, so Catherine, we're almost at time, but I wondered um, as we, as we kind of wrap things up, I wondered if you could tell us like maybe what one of your favorite ethical brand or uh, ethical brands or products is in the space. You've mentioned a few already, but like if there's one that you love. Um, and then second, I would love for you to share with us what excites you the most about the ethical and sustainable movement right now. Okay. What type of brand? Um, well, kind of anything in the ethical and sustainable space. So it could be just like, I mean, we talked about your water bottle for a while, but maybe is there like, I don't know, like a, um, do you like a type of, uh, bees wrap, uh, beeswax type wrap or like, have, do you ever have like a go-to thing you like to recommend to people? If not, you could do like fashion or beauty, like whatever, whatever works. So I'm just going to go with my favorite zero waste swap. I'm currently not brand loyal. There are a few that I've tried and a few that I like. So my favorite okay. zero waste swap of all time, which no one ever talks about is a bidet attachment. Oh my God. I love my bidet. That's so funny. Yes. Yes. We're bidet lovers. I'm obsessed. Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I'm going to just really quickly jump in here because I've been, I've been in this place for three months in LA and I get there and there's, of course, there's no bidet on the toilet because no one really uses bidets here in the States. And I'm telling you, I am missing that bidet, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Anytime my husband and I go on vacation, we're just like, I just wish we had a bidet attachment. <laughs> Yeah. time. So there are, like I said, there are several brands that we've used and liked. Omigo, Brondell, Tushy. In my opinion, yep. you can't go wrong. And if you're renting, you can absolutely get one. We've rented constantly and we always just get one. You can typically find one on sale for like $35 to $40. They pay for yep. themselves very quickly, very, very quickly with a reduced amount. You use so much less toilet paper and it's just cleaner yep. and it's better and can't recommend highly, highly enough. And probably my yeah. other favorite thing is period panties. So oh, I just okay. like all the taboo things. So quote unquote. Oh, you know, whatever. I mean, those, those two things that we're talking about right now absolutely lead to a ton of waste. I also use period panties. I think they're great. Um, it, you know, for me, it was like a kind of an interesting thought process there to be like, okay, I'm just going to try them out. They're great. If someone's listening and you're like, 
thinking about trying them, just give it a shot, buy one pair, see how, see if it works for you. But hundred percent love them. (laughs) And that's, what's so interesting, especially because I approach this from such a hormonal standpoint of trying to balance my hormones. Many menstrual products contain plastic. The average pad contains four plastic bags worth of plastic. Oh my God. Plastic. These are known endocrine disruptors that we are putting in a very, very sensitive area that absorbs things very quickly. And I've had so many people who say that have switched to a more natural routine, whether that's organic products, a cup, period panties, anything like that, who have said that their periods have improved so much, fewer cramps, they feel better. And I'm convinced that so many of these products with being bleached and having synthetic fragrance and plastic is really destroying a very sensitive micro biome down there. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Um, Okay. So you have a huge audience, um, both on social and through your book. I know you've reached many thousands of people um, throughout the zero waste um, movement that you've really been one of the the, the creators of. I'm going to give you that. I just totally want to give you that shout out. I think it's amazing. You're ahead of the trend, been inspiring people for a long time. But as we think about today, like what is the most impactful or like exciting thing that you feel like is happening right now um, as you think about the cultural shift that you've observed? So for me personally, right now, what I'm so incredibly excited about, because I have been doing this now for almost five years, which is nuts. And what I'm so excited about now is there's there's so many other people that are coming into the space and talking who have different viewpoints and have different ways of looking at things. And for me personally, my platform right now, this year especially, I've really been trying to push the boundaries and the way that we look at things. Okay. And I am so excited because I think so much more creativity and ingenuity is coming into the space. At least it is for me. And trying to find new ways of looking at the problem. We've been looking at it very, I know I keep saying for me personally, but I have been looking at the problem very narrowly. Like today, what is happening? Now yeah. I'm really playing with how we look at it, whether that's we look at it from the past looking forward or looking at the future looking back and how we can shift this perspective to help other people understand the problems in new ways. And yep. having a background, not as a scientist, but as an actor, everything for me has been, I'm very much focused on telling a story. That's what actors are, they're storytellers. And so now for me, it's about finding new ways to tell these stories and being able to reach people through new lenses. And that has been so much fun. That's so exciting. And I, to me, this just also echoes the rise of what we're calling the conscious consumer. Like you don't have to be a scientist to be excited about this space. Um, I think a lot of people get tied up about being experts in the space. As a matter of fact, when Lise and I started this podcast, people are like, oh, well, are you experts in the sustainability space? And we said, no, of course we're not experts, but we do the research before we come and talk about a topic. We are very curious. We like to inspire that. And so from our perspective, we are experts in storytelling when we think about sustainability. So Totally agree. Um, so thankful to have you on the podcast today, Catherine. Um, if you want to connect with Catherine, she's at Going Zero Waste on Instagram. Literally, just uh, just write in Going, and you'll see her right there. <laughs> um, and we'll we'll of course have links to all of the all of the things we talked about and more um, in the show notes. But thank you so much, Catherine. This has been an absolute pleasure. Of course, thank you so much for having me.
Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.